So I am a super fangirl of Sonic the Hedgehog for many, many years. And now my kids are, and I think it's insane cool that you work there. And what is this about a campaign about Sonic's middle name? Everybody has Sonic, right? And Sonic the Hedgehog's middle name is the. Yes. And Sonic had created so much love among consumers who were playing the game. We got there's questions all the time. What's Sonic's middle name? They want to know everything about him. And when we'd keyed in on that to create the most successful campaign of my career into that moment, and that really has led me to everything. Everything we do is around that. What's going to be that question we're going to get from different customers, from a different client? How are we going to get that what's Sonic's middle name question? And once we do, we double down and it always works. I love, it's such a cool hack, even for a micro business. It's like, what's the question people are asking you now go and create buzz and create PR and all of that around that. Like a deer in the headlights or gum in your hair. What got you here will not get you there. Join us as business owners get unstuck in real time on the business building struggles we all share. Welcome to the Business Breakthrough Podcast. And here's your host, SD Rand. Welcome to today's Business Breakthrough Podcast. I am so excited to welcome Lee Carraher to the show. Lee, welcome. I'm so happy to be with you. I'm so happy to have you here. Guys, this is, oh my gosh. I know all the episodes are fun, but like, I think this one's going to be extra fun. So Lee is the founder and CEO of Double Forte. Did I pronounce that right? You did. Yay. It is a national independent PR and social media agency headquartered in San Francisco with offices in New York and Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Eau Claire. Eau Claire. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not great at reading things that look like French. Uh, <laughs> Lee's an acclaimed communication strategist known for her practical solutions to big problems. And her company works with some of the top consumer lifestyle, digital life, and wine brands in the country. She's got a book out on millennials and management um, after epically failing at <laughs> keeping them um, and then succeeding at retaining them. Her second book, The Boomerang Principle, Inspiring Lifetime Loyalty from Employees, is a practical guide to building positive, high-performing workplaces. Uh, she's worked in big companies. She's worked with little, she's just done a lot of fun stuff um, for a whole lot of years. And you know how much I love to talk everything marketing. So Lee, I'm very, very excited. I think my first question for you is just, how did you go from corporate to your own micro PR agency to books about managing millennials? Like that's a lot of moving parts. Everybody wanted to sit down and yes. So I, you know, before I started my own company, which was almost 19 years now ago, um, I was in big corporate America in large, uh, a large multinational uh, holding company uh, for public relations and marketing advertising firms. And before that, I was at Sega of America as the vice president of communications when Sega had its own platforms. Mm -hmm. So, you know, big, big companies. I had, you know, at Sega, I think I had over 650 people. At, at uh, Weber Shamwick, I had over 700 people in different offices. Can you explain to me, what's a holding company for PRHC? Sorry, I, I randomly interrupt. So a holding oh. company like WPP, Omnicom, Weber Shamwick, um, 
publicists, they are the the companies that hold all these publicly traded. Now they're publicly traded, but mm -hmm. they hold all these advertising and marketing services companies that are very large, multinational. And um, the benefit is that particularly large companies can have the access to a wide range of services under one umbrella across the world. But this is I don't think I realized that. Yeah. So like example, like I've heard of, let's say, because I function in the micro business space and the small business space. Um, so like I've heard of gray advertising was like, are they held oh, by one of these? They're, oh, yeah, I'm not sure which one, but the, yes, they are. They're owned by um, an agent. They're owned by a holding company. Um, I intensely disliked being owned by a holding company. <laughs> because, How come? Um, I was in San Francisco, the whole, it's headquartered in New York, and, uh, you know, they apply the same rules across the country, across the world, and the same rules do not work in every market, the same rules do not work in every practice. So you didn't have really a choice when I was at that company, you didn't, I didn't have a choice of who to work for, even though I ran my own division. It's like whatever came across the you know, transom I had to go after, even if they were jerks, even if it didn't make it, even if it killed my people, there it was just about the dollar, right? Wow. So it's just about the street. And at the time, PR was at the bottom of the of the ladder, and we just all shit ran downhill. Right? So um, after 9-11, yeah, 9-11 uh, was a big watershed moment for so many of us it was for me as well and i realized on that day i didn't want to work didn't want to work for these people anymore um and so i exercised my contract and um i thought i was not going to do pr again meaning pr agency again because where was i going to go i'm already doing the biggest can we one. break down a little bit can you tell us sure. what it looks like to run pr from a corporate level I know what it looks yeah. like in the small business world more, and I know we'll get there, but I'm still well, curious. Well, it's a lot of the same things, right? The function is the same. So at Sega, I ran all of communication, um, and everything around the world came through my office somehow, Japan, Europe, um, Asia, mm -hmm. uh, the Middle East, and North America. Not so much Latin America. Um, but, you know, you're thinking... You, I had a large team. I had a team inside and I had many agencies and some of the agencies were on products and some of the agencies were against corporate and some of the agencies were on multi, you know, multiple places and some were just. What does that know. mean? I'm, let's, let's break it down into like non-jargon English. Non-jargon English. Okay. So the role is to advance, just like in a small company, the role is the same, advance the company's agenda in a positive way so that you can reach the people so that you achieve your business goal. Okay. That's the rule. Got it. No matter if you're in a big company or in a small company. If you're in a big multinational company, you know, you have many more markets, many more um, vagaries that are happening. So what you do in Europe is not the same. You know, across Europe, you do things differently in Italy than you do in France and you do in England than you do in Germany. Across um, Asia, you do different things in China than you do in Japan or Korea or Vietnam. In the United States, you do things differently um, here than you do in Canada. And then obviously if you're in, maybe not so obviously, but if you are on the coasts versus in the middle, south versus north. What's an, versus what's an example of the things? What's an example of a thing that would be well, different everywhere? One thing could just be language. What language do you use to convey your message the way you want it to be conveyed? So, so is this not necessarily it? press releases? Is it that you're in charge of the messaging for the company? Like that's what I'm trying to understand. Cause again, in a oh. micro business in my world, you, we, you do everything. 
right? Like yeah, when I teach marketing, know. it's everything. So I'm curious, like so, the PR... things that you might do, right? So um, let's just break down what public relations is now versus what it was then. So sure. then it was, you know, we talked to the media mm -hmm. and an business analysts and financial analysts so that they would talk to the people who subscribe to them, right? Mm -hmm. uh, television, analyst reports, big companies looking, you know, reading uh, financial an analysis, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, the, the local newspaper, television station, or, um, you know. Got it. And it was really taking whatever was going on in the company and sharing it. And these are publicly traded companies. So this is, you know, what's happening with earnings or developments, right. or if there's any legal issues. It's You are the Love voice. The you're the voice, voice of the, of the company. company. Public relations is you're the voice. What does Sega do? I'm guessing the video game company. I was gonna say, is it the video game by Sonic? You worked with Sonic. I did. In fact, I'll tell you, Sonic. I learned so much about the world through Sonic. So Sonic, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog, Blue Hedgehog. I love him. I've loved him since I was a little kid. I love those yeah. gold rings. I remember gold I did rings. not have a Game Gear. I had a Game Boy. I'm going to date myself so bad oh my now. Gosh, I only had a Game Boy. I was not cool enough to get a Game Gear. And when I used to go to summer camp at night, I would have to trade like Game Boy games or snacks to borrow people's Game Gears. And I remember playing under my covers into the middle of the night so I wouldn't get in trouble so I could beat Sonic before camp finished. There you go. Did you? Probably not. I don't know. I don't remember. I, I don't just remember playing. I don't remember winning. I probably would have remembered winning. You would have remembered. I might not well, have won. Most people did not. Be I might not have so. won. But I do remember playing. I remember rolling into a ball and rolling through the water and flying and getting rings. And Mario couldn't fly like yeah. that. And Sonic was faster. And just thinking Sonic yeah. was so cool. Not only because so cool. I didn't so have so it. So cool. <laughs> He's still so cool. My kids are obsessed with Sonic. Yeah. My kids are. They have underwear with Sonic on it? Yes. Yes, absolutely. The licensing <laughs> around Sonic is amazing. So, oh my gosh, this is so much. I'm like a fan. So oh everything God. you need to know about marketing, you can learn from Sonic the Hedgehog. Okay, okay let's do it. Everything. I feel like that's the name of this episode now. Everything there you need about marketing, you can learn from Sonic the Hedgehog. Everything you about marketing, you can learn. Oh, you just need the episode. Okay. <laughs> so, for instance, let me give you a good example. So, um, when I was at Sega, we were... Um, that was when we launched the 32, these are platforms, 32X, the Sega Saturn. And when we decided to launch the Dreamcast, which was the last platform is when I left the company because I knew it was going to kill the company. And it did. It did. Um, however, you know, it was a billion and a half dollar, United States was a billion and a half dollar market for Sega. Mm -hmm. And Sonic was not the only game. We had over 200 games. But so my job Mm -hmm. at Sega was I was the spokesman for the spokesperson for the company so and the corporate part right it was the job of my job on the corporate side was to um, help our third-party development group you know get the have the best relationships with third-party developers so that they would put their games on our platform first and it was one of the one pieces mm -hmm. one of the many pieces that you decided you know if EA was going to do that which they never did or mm -hmm. you know yeah. um Activision, whoever was going to do a game on right. the, whole, the so, whole gaming world, the whole gaming it. world, right? Then it was also on the streets. So we were a publicly traded company, but we're on the pink sheets because it was on Tokyo. Um, but we had uh, earnings. Earnings would be in Japan, and then it would roll across the world. Um, there are lots of holding companies. I will not bore you with this, but because of the way it was structured, it always had to be there when that happened. Another part of the job was to 
um, when we were, you know, the platform business. So today it's PlayStation, um, Xbox, and Nintendo. Mm -hmm. It's the same problem <laughs> as it was before. That who's you're not going to buy. Most people are not going to buy all three. How do you convince people to buy one? You need to do a lot of things on that uh, around technology, around games, around um, price point, around access, around uh, mm -hmm. coolness, all those things. So. Um, we would be, it was in the industry, the industry communication was probably half of my job because it was so intensely competitive, right? Mm -hmm. I have competitors that we have to outfox, we have to outbid, we have to do all these things so that we can actually get the deals we need to do the business. Got it. Meaning, for example, a third party developer is making the game. Who gets the game? Who gets Does the game? Nintendo get it? Does Sega right. get it? Does the other one get it? At that time, it was Sony, right? So Sony, Sony. Nintendo, and, right. and Sega. Those were the three. Right, and who gets the partnerships? And how exactly. do you woo? So it's, oh, I love it, but it's all the same. See, this what I love is that big business and small business are the same, but the applications are different. The concepts yeah. travel. You can't do things the same way. You don't do the same thing to it. No, 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 no. right? Um, and then it was, you know, how do you get in front of a consumer so that when that game was available at that time, we don't, this doesn't happen anymore. Uh, well, it happens for shoes, I guess, but it doesn't happen anymore for games, but we would, you know, how do you get a line around the store at Target or right. at GameStop or at Best Buy? Because when they're you creating the buzz of, oh my God, this is a must-have game, yeah. that actually fuels the must-have status. So how do you make that happen on a certain day at a certain time across the country? Those things. And Wait, that, how, how do you make it happen? You have a lot of time, <laughs> right? So all week. We're, we're recording this episode for the next 48 hours. Yeah. <laughs> a year ahead of time. And you, um, on the business side is where's the game going to be? Mm -hmm. Where's the platform going to be? Who's going to have the best? It's all usually the same price, but who's going to have the right bundle? Because mm -hmm. Best Buy would have a different bundle than Target would have a different bundle than Walmart would have a different bundle. Like what's the bundle? What's the bundling situation? What's, um, what are the deals? And then what are the, when are we going to drop something, right? Mm -hmm. So there's always a date, right? So for, at that time, there's always a date for a platform piece mm -hmm. of hardware. Um, for instance, Sega DreamWorks, Sega DreamWorks, Sega Dreamcast was uh, $9,999, which I planned that whole thing and then I left the company. But on <laughs> $9,999 is when it became available. So what do you do? You uh, bust people. You work with your community. You've built community, people who are in your customer service. So, you know, I also ran customer service at Sega for three years, and we would just reach out to the people who were the most avid people who were calling us all the time. And we, we knew where they lived, and we knew where they got their game because we had all that information. So we just reach out to them. We need 100 people at the Walmart in Tuscaloosa. All right, go talk to those people. If you show up, to get, we'll give you something free. We'll give you a t-shirt. We'll give you a hat. Doesn't matter, right? Yeah. This game's going to be available. If you're the first hundred, you know, you know, you will be able to purchase it. We're not going to give it to you for free, right. but um, we'll give you something. So you incent the people who are already predisposed to purchasing mm -hmm. because they've told you so. Um, and then you create events around them. And then you make sure that the, the media, media says up. After this, right? Hey, so, we're, we're doing a big drop at the something in Tuscaloosa. Oh, no. Like, no, I can guarantee that there's going to be 150 people 
rabid people can't wait to get the Sega Dreamcast or the Sega Saturn or this Sonic the Hedgehog game at this Walmart in Tuscaloosa at this time. I can guarantee it. Um, here's I can have a spokesperson there for you if you want. We'll have uh, the media needs the story. This is how everybody wins. The media this needs stories. This is what I tell people all the time. People story. are like. Oh, but media, I'm like, no, they need you as much as you need them. They yeah. need stories. Tell them what you're going to have, right? So what do you, what you have to create, uh, my job is to create a story that uh, advances the company's objective, but also, I mean, I should be positive. Right? Yes. <laughs> yes, sell games. That's the goal, sell games, right? Yeah. But um, I have a hard time um, when it's, uh, I, Line in the sand, won't do anything wrong, won't do anything duplicitous, you know, all that kind of stuff. Right. So, but here's here's what you're going to see. You're going to be able to see 100 people in this game. This game's been in um, in the making for 18 months. Here's the, I can give you access to the developer. I can give you access to the number one Sonic fan in Tuscaloosa. I can give, whatever I can give you, right? Totally, and, and that's interesting for them. And it's interesting for their readership and everyone and, cares about games. And, and then they do it across the country. That is so right, much work. That is so much work. Oh, it's so much work. <laughs> it's so much work. It's so much coordination. And then what are you going to say, right? What, are, what right. is that person going to say? The message. The reporter says, why are you here today? Well, I got to tell them what to say, right? As well. Right. And of course, you don't tell them exactly Sega, what to say. Sega called me and said, if I come, I get a free hat. <laughs> here I am. Say that? And usually they wouldn't. They right. wouldn't. You know, I've yeah. been a Sega fan. I've been a Sonic fan. Some people would show up. We would never tell them what to do, but some people would show up with all of their Sonic games stacked up in the clamshells, you know? Oh, that's awesome. I don't even know what a clamshell is today. I have one. I have them for my Game Boy. Okay, right. So you know. But they would show up with all of their stuff. They would show uh -huh. up dressed as Sonic. They would show up with their rings that they've created out of hula hoops. Oh, I love it. They would just show up with <laughs> But we knew because they were the ones who called us all the time. I mean, it's not like people, you know, you can just buy some actors and put them on a bus and say, okay, you've been, right. you know, that stuff. That's, that's more duplicitous. A lot more expensive. Yeah. And this also dishonest. The way we but, did it yeah. was a, a lot more work. Right. More work, but more honest. It and it builds real fans. But that's the point, right? It can't, you, you know, it's awesome to have create this you know, event where it's so great, great, great. And then when you dig deeper, uh, oh, they got paid for that. Yeah. Today, you couldn't get away with that crap. You couldn't. Everyone uh, people it. still are. People absolutely still. They're just doing it yeah, different, they do, right? But they don't get away with it long term, right? And it doesn't build trust. No, it automatically, it, it eventually bites them, right? Like people who buy followers on social is, media, always. right? So you buy your followers, but now you have 100,000 followers and 100 people like each of your posts. You know, I'm a little suspicious that those 100K are not really big fans of yours. Right. <laughs> so I think that no matter if it's big, so that's a good example of like a big thing. Like, how do you make that happen in 100 cities across the across the country? Yeah. How do you choose 25? You know, usually we would choose 10, mm -hmm. right? And then by doing 10, then the store would want to do their own thing. Oh, okay, if you do that in this city for this store, I'll do it again over here. Can you give me the same stuff? Can you send me a Sonic shit? You know, we would- Got it, and then the store it. will promote it. And then it's like, yeah. everyone's winning. It's so much coordinated. This is before social media, really. Yeah, for no, this is 99. There was, Facebook didn't, it wasn't even born. No, oh, right. nothing. So it's the same, but it's the same task, right? 
It's the same idea. It's just traditional. The blowback. Like, what if you put a? This is where I learned the most about this. Again, here, mm -hmm. everything I learned from marketing, I can learn from Sonic. So um, I was assigned. Can you write a book called Everything I Learned About Marketing I Learned from Sonic? You know that might be my third book. I really I like it. Say it like say yes. You can put book. me in the thank yous, but I really think that should be your next book. Yeah, for the great idea. Yeah. Um, but so I was given just one day. I was given. I didn't even. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Truly, I was given customer service. I, was like, <laughs> I went from a cost center to a PL because. Our one nine hundred number was again. They don't these things. Wait, what's the hold on? Industry jargon. Call center is an eight hundred number. Okay, so a one eight hundred number is when you have a problem with something, right. you call. Here's the toll free number. Yeah. At the time, one nine hundred numbers were numbers or that money charged for the minute for for game insight. So you could call oh, and say, no. I can't get past you know level two. I'm dropping through the map. Whatever it is. And someone would talk you through it for $5 a minute. No, uh, yeah. I never even knew that. I would have passed the game then. Yeah. I mean, not on my like 10 year old um, non salary. Well, I actually ran a business that time. I could have Facebook afforded it. Whales, right? They were custom, those were 1 900 whales. People what are whales? Run. Whales are people who make your business model, right? So if you think about um, on Facebook, it's people who buy the extra on a game, uh, an app game, if you buy the extra um, boosts. Okay. You know, right. That's and, like built in and you coins, but you can oh, buy coins with money you and spend a hundred dollars on, a, you know, a hundred boosts. So what right. they've done is they've just automated that kind of call in service. And yeah. I was never such a big gamer. Like I used to play Tetris backwards. I'd play um, like the B version where like it starts messy and you have to clean it up. Yeah. Um, that was like my fun. <laughs> that's great. So they give me customer service. And okay. we had just, there was a game that was uh, one of our game. Oh no, it wasn't a game. It was a, a, a third, it was a licensed game. So we had paid a lot of money for a license. It was a crap game. And uh, basically marketing stepped step back from it, kept stepping back. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do this. We're not going to, you know, not going to do a coupon. We're not going to do an ad. We're not going to do a, a blow in, whatever. What's a blow in? I like blow all the news is a, um, in a magazine when you have a piece of paper, you know, with a coupon, ah. that's called a blow-in because it gets blown in. Blown in. Net. Got it. Um, stepping back from this game, and then I got called into my boss's office, and they said, "We, we got to sell this game." You know, we have a huge license on this. I'm like, "All right, okay." All right. That's how I get compensated for making good stuff, right? Right. So we did this big rollout of this game. It was so successful in terms of our KPIs that I actually got bonused on it. And then I shared my bonus with my people and my agency. The next oh. week I get called into the same office. Lee, we want you to run customer service. It talks to people, you talk to people, it's all the same. I'm like, well, <laughs> is it? And I went from being a cost center to being a PL because that- What's a PL uh, mean? Been loss. Okay. So cost center is some, I had a budget, I spend down, spend it down and I would get, um, rewarded on how well I spent that money against uh, a positive awareness. Got it. Okay. Center PL, which is profit and loss for me is an accounting loss, term. I yeah. get now compensated based on not having a loss. Got totally it. A different point of view of how to run a business. A, a, this, you know, a, a department. Got it. Meaning here you're given a budget. You're like, spend this well, do a good spend job. You win. Yeah. Here's a new department. Don't lose money. Don't lose money. <laughs> Okay, so I just given all this money out. We've done such a great job in this game, which was crap. And then the phone started ringing off the hook. 
But two weeks later, the phone starts ringing in customer service on the 1-800 number because it's a problem with the game. And that money, that game cost me in customer service about the same amount of money that I had just bonused everybody out on within about three weeks. Wow. And at that moment in time, this, you know, duh, because I, I just don't have like, why are we spending any time that's going to cost us, you know, and it hadn't occurred to me or maybe my boss, I don't know, that we shouldn't put effort against something that's going to cost us in the end. Right. Right. So I made stopped everything. I stopped everything we were doing and I made my PR people mm-hmm. and my PR teams who were external listen to customer service for a week. They hated my cuts. They were <laughs> like, oh my God, we had to call, they had to call in, they had to listen. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, in the second week of that, we got 11 phone calls from across the country. And of course we track all this stuff. So we'd get reports on these things, right? Yeah. 11 co- phone calls from across the country. And the question was, what is Sonic's middle name? Just <laughs> a question. And it popped up and I'm looking the. at the report. His middle like, name is the. Exactly. His middle name is the. His middle name is that. So I was like, what is this? And has this ever happened before? Is this a regular question? Like, no. Like what happened in the media that this happened? Nothing, nothing. I mean, so it just happened, right? Just happened out of the customer base. Wasn't tied to a single game. There are a lot of Sonic games across a lot of different platforms. And so I sat with my team. I said, okay, there, that's it. That's the program right there. That is it. The mm-hmm. cus- our customer base is telling us that they care about Sonic so much that they want to know what its middle name is. <laughs> so, and we were actually faltering in the market at that time. That's a very long story. Um, and Nintendo and Sony were outstripping us in many things. And um, I said, okay, that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna, let's let's figure out what is that program. So we created a program around Sonic that it was not tied to a game. That was just who Sonic is. And it's, you know, we started with the middle name, but all these other things, how many wills, what the color, PMS. Oh my gosh. Stuff. And this is part of what's built the Sonic Revolution so that we're now 20, some, then, 20, 20, 30. That program or? in the yeah. media, so yeah. media coverage of that program outstripped Nintendo and Sony on any character, any game in that year when we were at, you know, very low in market share. Awesome. Um, even though we didn't have a game, we didn't have a Sonic game that year. Uh, a new one uh, and this is totally why my kids know sonic and wear sonic underwear and watch sonic videos yeah so the lesson i learned from this big or corporation right was one don't put money after bad don't put <laughs> effort after bad crap just don't do it right it's better to yes we had this license yes uh, there was a contract it would have been better for the company to um, just pay off the license not put the game in the market because every time you put something crappy in the market, it it chips away at the trust you've spent all this time building. Totally, it ruins your or reputation. It's not worth it. You better cut, swallow your loss and let it go. It's done. And let it go. Goodbye. The second thing I learned from that moment was listen to your customers. Your customers are telling you what they care about. And when you double down on what they care about, they will care about you more. Love it. I love that lesson. And that... And then I left Sega, um, before I wrote the plan for Dreamcast, um, which my successor, so I, I knew um, he's no longer with us anymore. He's died, died a few years ago. Um, he executed my plan, but I, I wrote the plan 
and then I left and I went because I knew it was going to hurt the company. And this story, but Dreamcast basically killed Sega the way it was. It was. And um, now the company is a part of another company and it's just a software company. And it has, um, and it should have become a software company in 99. It should not um, have gone forward as a platform company, long story. So I decided I could not, I knew this, I couldn't be part of it because I knew I would do a good job and um, it would kill the company. I've won awards for companies that don't exist anymore because the PR was so good right. that we overpromised, right? And the hype can just, that you, when you create such a positive thing that's not backed up, it does create a hype machine and then it just obviously but it, it implodes right it implodes yeah. and this is part so of what I you know that and i, I yeah. wasn't going to do that again so that's when i then i let, went to weber shanwick i actually returned to weber group um i worked for larry weber the weber in weber shanwick i was his eighth employee he became weber shanwick i opened the san francisco office for them they asked me to start a company after that called red whistle which i did then i ended up running seven offices on the west and one in england um and the job is still the same the job is at, at that time like you're on the in outside right you're an agency helping a client and the and that is the same thing though how right. do we tell your story so that the people who will make your business happen hear it in a positive way right it doesn't really matter if it's a big company or a small company um scaling it you have to have, you know, if you want to, if you want to be in a big company doing national, international programs, you have to have, you know, the, the sensibility to think about it across the world and how does it make it relevant across the world? Because it's not the same, even if it's relevant the same way in different cultures, you may not use the same language, you may not use the same activities because of culturally sensitive, what works in Italy may not work in France, blah, blah, blah. Totally. But um, in general, though, the task is the same. How do you talk with your customers, the people who matter to you for your business? So it could be your customers, your employees, your partners, your your industry, right? right. So All stakeholders. They understand you and will be um, engaged enough. Today, it's basically the goal is engaged enough to go to your website to buy something, to click on something, right? right. But engaged enough to uh, be interested the job of PR is to bring people to the table. Mm -hmm. The job of the product or the website or the store setup is to make that happen, make the transfer happen. Right. The transaction happen. Right. So the and job P is the same. PR is more what we call top of funnel. It's, it gets attention and awareness and it also builds legitimacy and connection. Mm -hmm. And um, then when something goes wrong, it's the, it comes, here's it, the first one in, right? Right. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to part one of this episode. Stay tuned for part two going live Thursday. And of course, subscribe. You do not want to miss this. You've been listening to the Business Breakthrough Podcast with SD Rand. If you're looking for a breakthrough in your business, reach out at sdrand.com slash breakthrough to be a guest on the show. Everyone's got a business struggle. What's yours?